Justin Timberlake. Just saying his name is enough to elicit a reaction. For some, he's a hitmaker who turned boy band adoration into pop superstardom. For others, he's the prime example of everything to dislike in a celebrity. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hi, we are back for part two of our three-part bumper <laughs> series on Justin Timberlake. Juzzy. Shall we start by talking about what we covered in our last episode? Yes, please. All right, so Justin Timberlake got his start in Star Search and then the Mickey Mouse Club. After that, Zara, he was headhunted for the brand new boy band from the creator of the Backstreet Boys. It was called... NSYNC or UNSYNC. I actually regret saying UNSYNC all no. last episode now. It's so funny for our <laughs> listeners at home because once we stopped recording, Michelle and I turned to each other and I was like, you convinced me it was sync," and I convinced her it was NSYNC. Yeah. Like I think by the end of the recording we started using each other's pronunciation. And now I have demons because I feel like we're going to get feedback on well, it no course. matter what. The thing is, of <laughs> course now we could go and Google it, but we're one whole episode <laughs> deep and we can't go back and edit that. No. So we're simply not going to. You know how they say delusional people are often the happiest? Delulu, yeah. We're going to be delusional people <laughs> in this scenario. <laughs> now at the age of 14 he found himself the member of a brand new band, you guys know what it's called, the band found huge <laughs> success in Europe first, then later in America. Only their manager Lou Perlman's dodgy dealings meant Justin and his bandmates barely reaped the rewards of their success. It was pretty crazy. They were earning $35 a day for years on end. There were court proceedings, drama, and just a lot to unpack. They did end up being able to move record labels and they settled out of court. Yeah. And then we finish episode one by talking about Justin's relationship with fellow pop star Britney Spears. Britney and Justin got together as teenagers and were, obviously, Obviously, one of the world's most famous couples. The public was obsessed with them, particularly when it came to their virginities or their potential sex life. Only, as it would turn out, everyone listening already knows this, the love affair was not to last and the fallout of that breakup would see the tabloid media positively obsessed for literally decades to come. Zara, we're going to rewind to that. We're going to talk all about Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears's breakup. Alrighty, Mish. So from what we can tell, Justin and Britney were happily together at least until January 2002, given Justin referred to her as, and I quote, his wonderful female of a girlfriend in an interview with Rolling Stone. That was December 2001 that he gave that quote. Wonderful female of a girlfriend. By March 2002, though, it was clear that they were not a couple anymore. In a press conference in London, Brittany told the media, I would not say I was in an intense relationship with anyone at the moment. Yeah, and as per people, after weeks of media speculation about the status of their relationship, pop singer Britney Spears, 20, indicated that her romance with Justin Timberlake, 21, is over, reports USA Today. I'm single right now. Britney Spears told Channel 4's Big Breakfast host Richard Bacon in an interview. I've just got to say, is there a better name for the host of the show Big Breakfast than Richard Bacon? I missed that it was a Big Breakfast. Big Breakfast. I tell you what, if I'm having a Big Breakfast, I'm having it with Richard Bacon. 
No, stop. Oh, We're so sorry. not in the headspace <laughs> to do that. No, we can get back on track. <laughs> so Justin also spoke to people at the time, giving them a short statement saying that he had a broken heart. Tabloids reported at the time that the breakup was because Britney had cheated on Justin with choreographer Wade Robson. As per the Rolling Stone, Justin Timberlake uncovered Spears' alleged affair with Wade when he discovered a note in Spears' room in February on the night the two pop stars were scheduled to appear on Saturday Night Live. Spears tried to make amends, but a shaken Timberlake refused to reconcile. More would soon come to light, and a lot of it would actually come directly from Justin's own mouth, not just tabloid reports. But we need to talk more about Justin's career before we get there because by April 2002, 21-year-old Justin Timberlake was contemplating the future of his career. NSYNC had just wrapped up another mammoth tour and were taking a well-deserved break after years of work. You know what a well-deserved break in boy band history looks like though, oh doesn't God. it? It means people start thinking about breaking free. Yeah, it's really reminding me of our One Direction totally. scandal series. After working for years as the front man of the band, well, not officially the front man, but I would say the people's front man, he was the most adored. He was like the face. He was the face. Justin decided that this was the perfect time to shake the good boy, boy band image that he had developed and go solo. He explained that decision to MTV. He said, I wanted to do something new that was just completely me. I had been so personally drained from the last six months and that made the emotion from the record much more real. Mm, I think that kind of sets the tone here a little bit, the emotion from the record and sort of wanting to position himself in a certain way, Mish. And so Justin's first solo effort, a single called Like I Love You, dropped in August 2002. There was so much hype surrounding his solo venture. As probably the most beloved member of the band, fans and the music industry were keen to see what he could do. Now, Like I Love You performed fairly well. It peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100. I've got to say, given it's his debut single from his solo career, I don't quite remember it by name, Like I'm, I Love You. I'm so glad you said that because we can't play it, obviously, due to copyright issues that would come if we did play it. I'm trying to look up the lyrics. I don't know this song at all. Just something about you, way I'm looking at you, whatever, keep looking at me, getting scared now, right? That no, There are no bells being <laughs> no. rung in my head. A hundred percent. I think, to be honest, this song has got a little bit lost in history. Like it did okay, but it wasn't until the next single and the next video for that single mm. dropped that hype for his solo project hit fever pitch. Yeah, that song and video were called Cry Me a River. This single dropped on November 24 and peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. But it was really the music video that kicked the media into overdrive. Take this from MTV at the time. The music video, which premiered on November 25, features 18-year-old model actress Lauren Hastings playing what could only be construed as a Britney lookalike in a newsboy cap and tinted pink sunglasses, accessories Britney has been known to wear. Timberlake is seen spying on his supposed ex getting into a car with another man and subsequently plots his revenge. He breaks into her sprawling house and leaves a tape of himself making out with another woman running on her TV. Look, 
I watched this video as you did, mm. obviously, as research for this episode. And we're going to talk about Britney's side on all of this very, very soon. But I think there is no other interpretation than this was, of course, meant to be an actress playing Britney Spears. And this was, of course, meant to be a video of him marking his quote-unquote revenge. The outfit, the haircut, the everything. It was about Britney. And as nasty as it is... For publicity, this did wonders for Justin Timberlake's career. He he yeah. took a woman down to get views and to get higher on the charts. Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Because I, I would go as far to say that if this music video and this drama existed in a vacuum, it would probably be fine. I would also go as far to say that if the roles were reversed and it was a female star taking down a male star who allegedly cheated on her... We would be we would love it. fist pumping. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to go as far as to say this in and of itself was awful, horrendous, the worst thing you could ever do. No. But in conjunction with all of it mm. and everything he said later, which we will get to, and what we know of Britney now, it is the start of what I think is a, a pretty unfortunate legacy for Justin Timberlake. Yeah. This was the first step down a pretty ugly path. It didn't have to be ugly, but unfortunately the steps he took afterwards just went further and further down. That article I read from earlier continued, while the clip sentiment that Britney cheated on Justin might be unmistakable to some fans, the NSYNC singer skirted around what everyone wanted to hear by saying, the video is not about her, the video is about me. Spears, meanwhile, won't fess up to the connection either. Calling in to Total Request Live on Friday, she denied there was even a resemblance between herself and her supposed doppelganger. The last time I looked in the mirror, I didn't think I really looked like her. When asked what she thought of the clip, Spears would only say, boys will be boys. Mm, the Crimea River video seemed to spark a slew of public comments from Justin about his relationship with Britney, which had been over for months by this point. He told Rolling Stone, I may never get over her. I do have to come to the realisation that I may never recover. I really still do love that girl. He told Vibe magazine also, I don't feel like I'm saying too much by saying she knows why the breakup happened. Britney's a fire sign, a Sagittarius. They do things on a whim. I feel I became so consumed with her that I didn't see some things that I should have seen. Speaking about the breakup with The Telegraph soon after these quotes were given, he said, The breakup was absolutely heartbreaking for me. I just can't have meaningless relationships with women. I have to find Miss Wright in order to have a relationship. There's got to be that big moment when she comes along. Mm. It is absolutely worth noting that all of these interviews were promotion for his new album, his first album, Justified. And he wasn't always playing the poor, heartbroken boy either. In an interview with the radio station Hot 97, Justin openly spoke about having oral sex with Britney. When the host asked him about it, he said, I did it. I'm dirty. So like to some publications, he's playing the woe is me. I'm, I couldn't be more blindsided by this I'm heartbreak. a victim. And then in others, he's talking about intimate details of what they did together in the bedroom as 
what, consenting adults. Yeah, and I think this is where the villainization of Britney Spears, I mean, I don't know if it's too much to say it really started, but if you've got an ex-boyfriend who was meant to have really loved you to the Mm. point of I will never recover, talk about you like this, both as a fire sign who does things on a whim, i.e. she cheated on me, and also I did it, I'm dirty. Like the inference in those quotes and those two separate approaches say a lot about what he wanted to do with the publicity of this single and it was to drag her down. He still wasn't done. I mean, it's we should note as well that there are compilations on YouTube that go for over 10 minutes of at least 11 different interviews that Justin Timberlake has done where he either directly or indirectly mentions Britney at this time. One of these big interviews was one with Barbara Walters that actually aired in December 2002 and he aired even more dirty laundry. Here's a snippet from that interview. I remember when we decided that we were going to go our separate ways. We sat down and I said to her, I said, if there's ever a moment where you ever need me, you can rest assured that I will be there because I love you as a person and I will always love you. But I also said, look, no matter what we say at this point, people are going to speculate things and, and we could, I could really get myself in a horrible position if I was to say something and somebody misinterpret it because that happens all the time. And I promised to her that I wouldn't say specifically why we broke up. I think what annoys me about these quotes, beyond all of them annoying me, actually, Mm. uh, is I promised to her I wouldn't say specifically why we broke up. It's like, but you have. You're you're telling the public 65% and you're leaving the 35% to be filled. I would say... I would say you're saying more than 65%. I would say saying 90%. Probably. But the, the worst part even about going halfway there or three quarters of the way there is the public that assumes the very worst anyway when we're left to fill in the blanks. Like either come out and say it or don't say anything. I actually think the cruelest thing you can do is string the public along and give them these little tidbits over the space of years that just work against your ex-partner. Totally. And I think the way that he positioned himself as woe is me at this time, when in reality he was telling these stories to sell an album, is pretty atrocious. Mm. Now, when asked specifically by Barbara Walters about the cheating rumours, he said, we're not perfect. I don't judge anybody. It's just young love. It was a very intense relationship, that's for sure. Now, it should be noted, immediately following this quote, the show cut to Justin singing a song called Horrible Woman. That song never actually came out. He just played it for the interview and it featured the lyrics, thought our love was so strong, I guess I was dead wrong, but to look at it positively, at least it gave me another song about a horrible woman. Now, what's kind of interesting about this timeline is we know we said earlier that Britney said boys will be boys about that film clip and denied that that Crimea River film clip was about her. Mm. She sort of, I imagine maybe speculation got so rife and she was getting asked about it so often that she actually gave a quote to Rolling Stone about the Crimea River video Letting the public know that Justin actually did call her, telling her he would be using a Britney lookalike. This is what she said. He called me up and said, and by the way, you're in a video that's coming out. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So the record label called, by the way, they shared a record label, and said, if you want to change this, you can. I had the power to say no to the video, but I didn't because I thought, hey, it's your video. I hadn't seen it. Then it came out and I said, I should have freaking said no to this shit. I was so like, whoa, what is going on right now? I think it looks like 
such a desperate attempt personally, but that was a great way to sell the record. He's smart, smart guy. Yikes. I mean, such a sweetheart, first of all, to just say it's your video and to trust him so implicitly that he wasn't going to do this to her and then have to watch it when it comes out to the world and realise, fuck, I should have... I should have put my foot down and protected myself. For sure. Now that we have her memoir, we know exactly what was going on for Britney privately at this point in time, and we know what she thought about all of it. Mm. Now, to take us right back to how this controversy all started, Britney admitted in her memoir that, yes, she had been unfaithful with Wade Robson, but clearly stated that it only happened one time. She wrote, Wade and I were out one night and went to a Spanish bar. We danced and danced. I met out with him that night. I was loyal to Justin for years, only had I for him with that one exception, which I admitted to him. That night was chalked up to something that will happen when you're as young as we were and Justin and I moved past it and stayed together. I thought we were going to be together forever. I hoped we would be. Mm, Brittany wrote about her breakup with Justin too and said that it came as a complete shock to her. She wrote, it was insane how much I loved him. And for me, it was unfortunate. I should have seen the breakup coming, but I didn't. When Justin began making his first album, he started being very standoffish with me. I think that was because he had decided to use me as ammunition for the record and so it made it awkward for him to be around me, staring at him with all that affection and devotion. Ultimately, he ended our relationship via text message while I was on the set for the overprotected remix by Dark Child. After seeing the messages, I sat in my trailer between takes. I had to go back out and dance. Yeah, she went on. For as much as Justin hurt me, there was a huge foundation of love. And when he left me, I was devastated. When I say devastated, I mean I could barely speak for months. Whenever anyone asked me about him, all I could do was cry. I don't know if I was clinically in shock, but it felt that way. Everyone who knew me thought that something was wrong with me. Really wrong. I barely left the house. I was that messed up. Justin flew out to Louisiana to visit me. He brought me a long letter he'd written and framed. I still have it under my bed. And at the end, it said, makes me want to cry thinking about it. I can't breathe without you. Those are the last words in it. Reading that, I thought, damn, he's a good writer. Because that was exactly how I felt. It almost felt like I was suffocating, like I couldn't breathe. After all that had happened. The thing is, even after I saw him and read the letter, I didn't come out of the trance. He did all that. He came there to see me and I still couldn't talk to him or anybody. Can we pause on the fact that Justin Timberlake wrote his ex-girlfriend a letter and framed it. A breakup letter. A breakup letter. I understand a breakup letter. In fact, very helpful. What was behind Justin framing that when he gave it to her? I also don't get the, like, finishing a breakup letter with I can't breathe without you. Like, that sounds like like an oxymoron. Yeah, if, if you can't breathe without me, why are you dumping me? It's so it's, yeah, look, naturally, Brittany struggled deeply with the idea that she was, like, this heartless cheating woman while Justin was supposedly in the public eye the heartbroken victim. She wrote, Justin ended up sleeping with six or seven girls in the weeks after we officially broke up or so I heard. Hey, I get it. He was Justin Timberlake. This was the first time to go solo. He was a girl's dream. I was in love with him. I understood the infatuation people had with him. Mm, this is where the real kicker came in Britney's memoir. She claimed that it was Justin mm. who had the cheating problem. She wrote, In the news media, I was described as a harlot who'd broken the heart of America's golden boy. 
the truth. I was comatose in Louisiana and he was happily running around Hollywood. May I just add that on his explosive album and in all the press that surrounded it, Justin neglected to mention the several times he cheated on me. There's always more leeway in Hollywood for men than for women. And I see how men are encouraged to talk trash about women in order to become famous and powerful, but I was shattered. She gives examples in the memoir of what was happening in music at the time. And she kind of implies that with his album, Justin was mimicking what Eminem had done. Remember Eminem's song, Kim, where he just absolutely eviscerated his ex. She thinks Justin was playing into the same kind of culture. Yeah, she went on specifying about the cheating. She said, there were a couple of times during our relationship when I knew Justin had cheated on me, especially because I was so infatuated and so in love, I just let it go, even though the tabloid seemed determined to rub my face in it. When NSYNC went to London in 2000, photographers caught him with one of the girls from All Saints in a car, but I never said anything. At the time, we'd only been together for a year. Another time we were in Vegas and one of my dancers who'd been hanging out with him told me he gestured towards a girl and said, yeah, man, I hit that last night. I don't want to say who he was talking about because she's actually very popular and married with kids now. I don't want her to feel bad. My friend was shocked and felt like Justin was only saying it because he was high and felt like bragging. There were rumors about him with various dancers and groupies. I let it go, but clearly he'd slept around. Mm, Naturally, this made the tone of his music and quotes in interviews hard to stomach. Britney said, I understood the thought of my betraying him gave the album more angst gave it a purpose, shit-talking about an unfaithful woman. The only problem with the narrative was that, in our case, it just wasn't like that. She said she would go to basketball stadiums and get booed from the crowd, that the media just turned against her and no one would see her side. And she also included that very, very powerful quote that is everywhere right now. She said, I don't think Justin realised the power he had in shaming me. I don't think he understands it to this day. That quote is probably my favourite from her memoir Mm. because I think, I mean, spoiler alert, we're halfway through episode two. We've got another, another episode of Justin Timberlake still to go. But the sense you get about Justin is he still doesn't quite understand why he's been blamed for different things mm-hmm. over the course of his life. That feels very clear to me. Mm. Now, as many people know as well, Brittany also revealed that she had an abortion while she was with Justin. Of falling pregnant, she wrote, Justin definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said we weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, that we were way too young. I could understand. I mean, I kind of understood. If he didn't want to become a father, I didn't feel like I had much of a choice. I wouldn't want to push him into something he wouldn't want. Our relationship was too important to me. And so I'm sure people will hate me for this, but I agreed not to have the baby. Abortion was something I never could have imagined choosing for myself. But given the circumstances, that is what we did. I don't know if it was the right decision. If it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it. And yet Justin was so sure he didn't want to be a father. Mm, Brittany really laments the fact that she wasn't taken to hospital or offered professional care when she was going through that termination. She described the pain as some of the worst in her life. And wrote, Justin came into the bathroom and lay on the floor with me. At some point, he thought maybe music would help, so he got his guitar and he lay there with me, strumming it. I kept crying and sobbing until it was all over. It took hours and I don't remember how it ended. But I do, 20 years later, remember the pain of it and the fear. After that, I was messed up for a while, especially because I still did love Justin so much. 
that is where the Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears story ends. With all of the information together, Zara, how do you feel? It will always be so strange to me that you have one prominent narrative for 20 years and then suddenly hear, you know, the other side of it and just sort of sit with both of them and think, God, like the story that you swallow from like, you know, Justin about Mm. the cheating and the Crimea River film clip. Like it's pretty wild if what Brittany says is true, that he was actually the one cheating the majority of that relationship. The audacity. The audacity. If that is true. Yes. I am dumbfounded that somebody would feel confident enough to point the finger elsewhere. I completely agree. And it's so clear in Britney's memoir that she still has so much rage about the way he treated her. She speaks a lot about powerful men in Hollywood trashing her in her memoir. And Justin's name comes up a lot. It comes up in tandem with Kevin Federline in particular. She is not ready to move past this as if this was nothing, as if this was just young teenage shit. She says this truly impacted her mental health for years, for decades, and she's still so upset with how this was handled and still has a lot of regret even for herself that she would do things differently if she had her time over. It's just fascinating to see it all laid out there. We have so much more to talk about, Zara. Some of it high, some of it low. We're going to talk to you guys about punked when we get back. Cameron Diaz (laughs) and what Justin did next. All right, Zara. So we're now in late 2002 because that is when Justin Timberlake was the very first guest star of Ashton Kutcher's show, Punked. I did not remember that he was the first one. I just don't remember much of Punked, full stop. No. I like watched back the clips and stuff. 2002, I can guarantee Vicky and Paul Andrews would not have let me watch this show. I would have been how old? Eight? Yeah, that's probably why. I didn't know much about it too, but I remember snippets of it and I remember how popular it was. I still to this day need to learn more about it. I mean, maybe there's a one-part scandal series just in punk because it's like, how did they get this all to happen? Yeah. Like, how did they line up all these things? Anyway, Ashton's prank on Justin featured on the very first episode of the show involved fake IRS agents turning up at his home and repossessing his belongings due to an unpaid $900,000 tax debt. It's quite good, actually. Now, I really wanted to play you a snippet of this, to be honest, but then when we were, like, going through, you know, old snippets of the show, I was like, this stuff was built for TV, not for a podcast 20 years later. Regardless, the only thing you need to know about this particular scene or this episode is that it was chaos. As per New York Magazine at the time, bewildered, Timberlake begins to crumble as his world comes down around him. He does his best to hold back tears, particularly when the head IRS agent briefly has him convinced that even his dogs have been seized. Then, of course, hilarity ensues, sort of, when Kutcher shows up at the end to say it's all a joke. Ha ha ha. Hmm. (laughs) I like that quote from the New York Magazine. Years later, Justin revealed that his emotional reaction to having his belongings repossessed was totally genuine and told Dax Shepard that he was actually high at the time 
which made the experience even more confronting. He said, I've stated this before, but because of that day and my buddy who took me to golf and got me so stoned, I think MTV edited out a lot because I remember sitting down on my front porch and looking at my friend. I was like, I'm so high, man. Is this real? Is this really happening? I have to note our researcher, Eilish, <laughs> made such a good point when she was talking to us about this script. That quote, my buddy took me to golf and got me so stoned. She was like, interesting that he can't even say I got high oh, without blaming it on somebody else. It's such a pattern of Justin Timberlake's that every little thing that's gone wrong is in some way, somehow, someone else's fault. I mean, people can disagree with this, but I think it says so much, just those four words, they got me stoned. They got me so stoned. Like, I know it's just one example, but I can't imagine saying I went to a party and my friend got me so drunk. Isn't it interesting? I can't. Yeah, I think in it what says, way would a friend be able to get me so stoned if I wasn't completely willing, unless my friend held me down and drugged me, yeah, which is obviously not what we're talking no, about No, not here. at all. Exactly right. So I think as much as it is one sentence as a by the by, I think Eilish's observation is pretty bang on. It reveals a lot. Yeah. yeah. Now, you might be wondering what Justin's love life looked like after he split from Britney. Well, the tabloids couldn't get enough and Mish, their reporting was really something. Yeah. Take this story from the UK tabloid The People. It ran with the headline, Justin Trouser Snake. How Timberlake became a wild sex machine since his split with Britney, the virgin pop queen. The article read, he was once known simply as the steady boyfriend of showbiz virgin queen Britney Spears. But since ditching Britney, the clean cut all American boy has had only one aim in life, to bed every girl he meets. And his transformation into the sex machine of pop has earned him the title of Justin Trousersnake. So <laughs> I just have so many questions. We need the listeners to know we haven't just put this in as one random report. This the label of Justin Trouser Snake became really fucking popular. Yeah, to the point where when Justin Timberlake did an interview with Rolling Stone in 2003, they had to ask him <laughs> about it. He said, the Playboy rumours are funny. They call me Trouser Snake in the UK now. At first I was like, what does that mean? Trouser Snake. Honestly, I don't read the stuff anymore. I mean, for the record, and this is a complete aside, this was quite an interview from Justin Timberlake. He also told Rolling Stone, I don't want to do teen pop again. I've had some of my greatest experiences with those guys, but I do think what I've done with my solo album is 10 times better than anything NSYNC has ever done. Yes, I do, but I'm a cocky bastard. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> At least he knows It's it. like 10 times 10 better. Times. It's not even double. It's I also just patently disagree. NSYNC had some bops. Ten, it's certainly up for debate of who's had a stronger <laughs> album, but I wouldn't say he's ten times cleared them. No. Anyway, despite the Trouser Snake nickname, Justin was about to enter into another serious long-term relationship with none other than actress Cameron Diaz, who is nine years his senior. I completely forgot about this relationship. Same, but I used to love them together for some weird reason. According to InStyle, Justin and Cameron reportedly met for the first time when Cameron presented Justin with a Kids' Choice Award for Best Burp <laughs> in 2003. Some oh. of the details in this episode. I know. Justin but... and Cameron were actually a pretty private couple and we don't know heaps about their time together, but they were together for almost three years. So it's safe to say that they were 
quite serious. They also had several run-ins with the tabloids and the paparazzi, which turned out to be pretty ugly and pretty interesting to research. In 2004, Justin and Cameron were involved in an incident with two photographers outside the Chateau Marmont in LA. According to the paparazzi, they were taking photos of Justin and Cameron about 10 feet away when Justin and Cameron began to taunt and attack them. How strange. The photographers even filed a lawsuit against Justin and Cameron as per today. The lawsuit filed Friday said the photographers on assignment for a photo agency did nothing to harass the couple and stood more than 10 feet from them until Diaz ran at Lazo, hit him in the neck and tripped him, snatching his camera. Timberlake then allegedly screamed at the bleeding photographer as he was on the ground, what, what are you going to do, man? I know you are not going to do anything. Justin and Cameron, for what it's worth, alleged that the photographers actually had ambushed them and they were acting in defence. Yeah, as per Entertainment Weekly, reps for Diaz and Timberlake said in a joint statement that the couple were merely defending themselves. Miss Diaz and Mr Timberlake were ambushed by two men who jumped out of a concealed hiding place on a dark, deserted street late at night, the statement read. Any actions by Diaz and Timberlake were taken in self-defence as a reaction to the unprovoked and assaultive conduct of the two men. The article went on, Diaz apparently made use of the martial arts and detective skills <laughs> she picked up from the Charlie's Angels movies, confiscating the camera in order to be able to identify the individuals who jumped at them. She turned the camera over to police, the statement said. So Justin and Cameron took the camera and yeah. kept it and then handed it over. I'm just always curious naturally when something like this happens. What kind of photographs might have been on there that they didn't want out? Well, I think my question is, why is this a better story than the one you were trying to hide? Like, do you know mm. what I mean? Like, if you're getting into allegations of assault. I'm just confused. Is that a better story than something else? That's what people are going to assume. Whether or not that's true or not is a completely different story. But yeah, like, that is, was it worth it? Yeah, exactly right. Now, the lawsuit was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. And shortly after this incident, Justin successfully sued the UK tabloid News of the World, who claimed that he had cheated on Cameron Diaz with a model called Lucy Clarkson as per MTV. A statement issued by Justin Timberlake's publicist in the wake of the settlement reads in part... Yet again, a tabloid has been caught lying. Thankfully, the judicial process worked, but how many cases like this will it take before these tabloids feel obligated to print the truth? Have they no shame? Mm, we're going to leave Justin and Cameron here for now because we have to get back to the timeline. And the next scandal to hit Justin Timberlake's career, Zara, it's perhaps, well, one of the biggest to date it was the 2004 Super Bowl. Yeah, it was. So the 2004 Super Bowl happened on Feb 1. Justin Timberlake was 23. For some reason, I thought he was older. Yeah, he's super young. He yeah. was scheduled to perform alongside P. Diddy, Nelly, Kid Rock, Jessica Simpson, and of course, the then 38-year-old Janet Jackson. Now, we have to say we have covered this event on Shameless. We did it a couple of years ago. But we're going to cover it again because it was such a monumental pop culture moment, not to mention a monumental moment in Justin's career. And also, I just think there's still so much to unpack that people might have forgotten. Mm -hmm. In front of an audience of 143 million viewers, the halftime show kicked off without a hitch. Janet Jackson was actually performing a medley of her hits. It was like this pretty chaotic mishmash of other performers coming in and doing their thing as well. So there was a lot going on on stage, but it was all... 
really working. Justin Timberlake came on stage for the final minutes of the halftime performance. He was singing his song Rock Your Body with Janet. It was like a bit of a grand finale moment. As he sang the final lyric of the song, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song, Justin ripped at Janet's top, revealing her right breast with a silver star-like accessory. Yeah, the camera panned away almost immediately, like it was less than a second. But the damage was certainly done and the fallout was beyond, I think, anything Mm. anyone could imagine. Justin gave interviews pretty much straight after the performance. He told journalists, that was fun. It was quick, slick, to the point. And no, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. We'd love to give you all something to talk about. Mm, According to Google, Janet Jackson was the second most searched for public figure in the world, not just after that day, that week or that month, but for the entirety of the year. This incident broke the record for the most searched for event in a single day in internet history. There were even public discussions about whether or not criminal charges would be laid against Janet or Justin for indecent exposure. But E! News pretty quickly confirmed that neither would be charged by local police for the incident, despite numerous complaints from the public. To be clear, there are some conflicting narratives and stories as to what actually happened in this moment and what led up to Janet Jackson's breast being exposed. Let's start with the first theory, Zara. Yeah, the first theory is that, of course, this could have been a planned stunt that just backfired. Take this reporting from the Washington Post, for instance. Because Timberlake's bodice ripping was perfectly timed the line, I'll have you naked by the end of this song, most folks assumed that the duo's plan had always been to make good on the song's promise. And seeing a breast that was glittering silver when it abruptly appeared from beneath Janet Jackson's shiny black dominatrix suit only furthered the theory that the peekaboo moment had been choreographed. Yeah. We um had a bit of a debate discussion between us and Eilish mm. about what we all thought mm. about this. You're firmly in the camp of PR stunt. I am. I just think it's too coincidental that the lyric is, I'll have you naked by the end of this song. I think it's too coincidental that Janet happened to be wearing the nipple accessory that she was. Too coincidental that Justin immediately gave quotes saying it was quick, slick, to the point. I don't think he's going to the media and saying that and I don't think this incident is happening at the same time as that lyrics being sung if it's not a planned choreographed scene. But we want to make it really clear, members of the team really disagree on this. I do think that, to be really honest with the listeners, and I think that Justin then behaved poorly and kind of backstabbed Janet. Eilish firmly believes that this went wrong and it was supposed to be something a little different. You're kind of on the fence, am I right? Yeah, I'm on the fence because to me, after all these years, I don't know how relevant it is, whether it was a PR stunt or not. And maybe that's why I'm sort of on the fence because regardless of whether it was planned or regardless if it wasn't, what happened next... Was not excusable. Was not right. No. And I sort of think that's where my interest in this and fascination with the fallout lies. Mm. Now, there are other explanations that we got from various PR teams in the aftermath. Here's what an MTV spokesperson said. The tearing of Janet Jackson's costume was unrehearsed, unplanned, completely unintentional, and was inconsistent with the assurances that we had about the content of the performance. MTV regrets this incident occurred, and we apologize to anyone who was offended by it. Mm. 
We also had CBS, the network that aired the Super Bowl, who said, we attended all rehearsals throughout the week and there was no indication that any such thing would happen. The moment did not conform to CBS broadcast standards and we would like to apologise to anyone who was offended. Mm. I kind of want to clarify what I said earlier as well, where I said, like, if it was a PR stunt, if it's not, it's not relevant to me. The only thing that is relevant to me is if it was a PR stunt and MTV and CBS knew this and threw them straight under the bus straight mm. away. I don't think it was that kind of PR stunt if it was one. Yeah. I think this was an internal PR stunt potentially if it was going to be a PR stunt. Right. What do you think? I think there's every likelihood that Janet and Justin could have had a conversation about doing this without letting the networks yeah, know. Yeah, that's. I yeah. can't see the networks knowing this because they just... They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. But... It would be beyond unforgivable to me if MTV and CBS knew and then thought straight away, I'm going to kind of wipe my hands of this. 100%. Now, what's really interesting about this is the term wardrobe malfunction, potentially from what we can tell, was actually born after this. It was from Justin Timberlake. From what we can tell, as I said, Justin Timberlake was actually the first person to publicly use this term and he would go on to use it several times in multiple apologies for this incident. Yeah. So to be clear, he went to the media and said everything was slick and amazing. And then once he realized the backlash was going on, he issued his first statement of many. The first statement read, I am sorry that anyone was offended by the wardrobe malfunction during the halftime performance of the Super Bowl. It was not intentional and is regrettable. Janet Jackson was not as quick to respond to this, but she did release a statement within 24 hours of the event. This statement came from her representatives and also blamed the incident on a wardrobe malfunction. It clarified Justin was supposed to pull away the rubber bustier to reveal a red lace bra. The garment collapsed and her breast was accidentally revealed. Now, for the record, that was the first time anyone had suggested that any kind of tearing away action bit had been planned and that the actual execution had failed. Yeah, it feels like a lot of people not on the same page right now. The story, though, of Janet Jackson's did fall in line with the director of the Halftime Show that year, a woman named Beth McCarthy Miller, who said almost two decades later that Janet was upset backstage and was crying wrapped up in a blanket after the performance. It's probably worth noting that according to the 2021 New York Times documentary Malfunction, The Dressing Down of Janet Jackson, multiple sources from CBS, the NFL and MTV claim to have no knowledge of the plan. Now, Sally Frattini, a former producer for MTV, claimed in the doco that there was very limited rehearsal time for the performance and even less time with Justin in the room because he was flying in from Europe. Apparently, he arrived just 20 minutes before the Super Bowl halftime show and had to be taken to the stadium with a police escort to make sure he made it in time. I just get more confused by this story as the more I dive into it. The details don't really make sense. How are you having a performer turn up to the Super Bowl 20 minutes before? Anyway. Anyway, Beth McCarthy Miller said that the original plan was for Janet to wear a tearaway skirt and Justin was going to take the skirt off at the end of the performance to reveal a jumpsuit underneath. However, producers agreed that didn't really work from a staging perspective and the plan was apparently dropped. Again, my question is... If the lyric is, I'll have you naked, why would he tear off a skirt to reveal a jumpsuit? Like, it's the math just isn't mathing for me. Anyway, producers then claimed that Janet and her stylist came up with the tearaway 
top, which they implemented after the final rehearsal. So it sounds like maybe the tearaway top also wasn't trialed. Yeah. I mean, it's fair to say we'll never know what the truth of the incident was. I mean, it's 20 years later and we still don't know. And the fallout of Nipplegate was long and incredibly complicated. It involved FCC hearings and a long, deeply unfair pattern of racism and misogyny against Janet Jackson. But because this series focuses on Justin Timberlake, we are going to try and keep him as the main character of this story. But let's be clear, as clear as we possibly can be, Janet Jackson and her career suffered severely in the aftermath of this incident. Severely and unfairly, for sure. Basically, what happened next was Justin, who seemed quite eager to move past this fiasco as quickly as possible, did whatever the powers that be asked him to do. He apologised for this incident multiple times, including an in-person apology to Les Moons, the CEO of CBS at the time and an extremely powerful figure in the media world. Les was the kind of guy who could make or break careers in entertainment, so Justin gave him that personal apology. Justin also gave that statement we read you earlier and then also did a quick televised interview in which he said this. Got a call prior to the show saying that they wanted to do a costume reveal. Now, I was under the impression that what was going to be revealed in the costume reveal was uh, a red brassiere, a bustier, forgive me. And, uh, you know, got in, didn't really have time to rehearse it, got to the field, went on stage, was in the moment, and... And what happened happened. All I could say was, oh, my God, oh, my God. So he also added in this interview, the matter of the fact is I've had a good year, a really good year, especially with my music, even me personally. I don't feel like I need publicity like this. And I wouldn't want to be involved with a stunt, especially of this magnitude. I immediately looked at her. They brought a towel up on stage. I immediately covered her up. I was completely embarrassed, just walked off the stage as quickly as I could. I think what's interesting to me is that there will always be those quotes that he gave straight after the performance before the reaction had Mm. time to simmer where he said, I had a lot of fun. We love to give you all something to talk about. Mm. Like there's just a little bit of space between these two things that you're saying Now, this wasn't the only few apologies that Justin gave. He also apologised during his acceptance speech for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance for Crimea River at the Grammys a week after the Super Bowl. As per Entertainment Weekly, Timberlake, who had already apologised twice last week for what he called a wardrobe malfunction, begged for forgiveness a third time when he accepted the trophy for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance for Crimea River. Here's a clip from that speech. This is overwhelming. I don't know what to say. Listen, I know it's been a rough week on everybody. And um, (laughs) what occurred was unintentional, completely regrettable. And I apologize if you guys are offended. Uh, This has been a dream of mine. (laughs) Don't. I already got enough. Don't. It's just fascinating because all of the apologies are like, I'm so sorry everyone had to see Janet Jackson's breast instead of I'm so sorry but also it was just an accident and it's fine it was like the way he spoke in every instance with these apologies was to infer shame upon Janet Jackson totally it also should be noted that Justin's appearance at the Grammys was 
extremely conditional and hinged on this third public apology because CBS, who aired the Super Bowl, was also airing the Grammys and they gave both Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson an ultimatum, as per Entertainment Weekly. Justin's mea culpa was a condition of his appearance on the show, CBS said in a statement. That's the reason Timberlake's striptease partner, Janet Jackson, didn't appear at the Grammys. Offered an opportunity to be a presenter if she'd apologise as well, she declined, the network said. Mm, but then according to singer Patti LaBelle, Janet told her, their close friends, that she hadn't been invited to the event at all and that was like that what was you a just lie. out was untrue. She yeah. wasn't invited like Justin was. Yeah, exactly, which makes it all the more confusing. Apparently, the Grammys or perhaps CBS were so concerned about a repeat incident that they broadcast the awards show on a delay, which was not apparently a regular practice at the time. For her part, Janet issued a very short video apology in addition to her written apology. But honestly, things have gotten so out of control in the press that it didn't really matter what she said or did. Like, the public still... They had decided. They wanted to hate her for this. MTV even lost their partnership with the NFL over the incident and have not presented a halftime show since. And of course, MTV decided to blame Janet Jackson. As per The Mirror, the head of MTV, which produced the halftime show for CBS, blamed Janet for the peep show. MTV chief executive Tom Preston said, Janet Jackson engineered it. We were punked by Janet Jackson. Yeah. There is not a more 2004 Not quote. at all. According to this same article, friends of Justin's claimed that he also blamed Janet for the incident. Justin has told friends he was fooled by Janet, who was promoting her new album and single. One said Justin had no prior knowledge that her breasts would be shown. He thought there was going to be a red bodice when he ripped off her top and lo and behold, there was a nipple. Another friend said Janet begged the singer for days to team with her for the Super Bowl performance in which they performed his song Rock Your Body. She took advantage of him, the friend told New York's Daily News. She is a 37-year-old singer who's using a hot young star to keep her career alive. Goodness me. Guys, that is all for today's episode. In episode three, we're going to talk to you about how Justin Timberlake apologised for his behaviour throughout this time and, of course, the other scandals that have muddied his reputation. But Zara, that's all on next week's episode. Yeah, if you want to listen to that right now, you know what to do. You can subscribe to Shame More because that episode is live. You get all the scandals in one place. Yeah, and in that next episode, we'll be talking a lot about how Justin was forced to apologise for not protecting Janet Jackson more in the aftermath of this decades later. A big thank you, as always, to our researcher Eilish Gilligan for her work on this and our audio producer Annabelle Lee. We will be back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. 
It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.